Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Embracing the Gray with Bic and Kels, where we are here to challenge the all or nothing thinking when it comes to all things food, body, and mindset. And today we're actually going to be deep diving into why we are called Embracing the Gray, why we decided to title the podcast that, what that means for us and our own personal belief systems and some of our own experiences. And we're excited to share this with you. So good morning or hello, Miss Vic. I guess it's morning here in New Zealand, probably afternoon over there in Idaho. But how are you? I'm doing well. And yes, Kels is back in New Zealand. So we're we're working on different days and time zones. So thank you for the patience on that one, everyone. Um, but yeah, I thought it would be a good idea to, I mean, maybe we've touched on it a little bit in one podcast, but it hasn't been a designated podcast topic in itself. And we can kind of just naturally talk about things as they come. Um, but embracing the gray. So this is essentially kind of going back to 20. Let's see, I got married in 2018. So 2019. Um, and it's actually, it's not necessarily a term, but the concept is kind of construed from the, or is pulled from dialectical behavioral therapy, which is, um, a shoot off of cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, and it's intended majority. So Marsha Linehan, who created DBT, um, treated a lot of patients with, um, borderline personality disorder. So that very high intense emotions, black and white thinking, but it can also be used in for treatment and therapeutically for other conditions or diagnoses or just frameworks. So specifically the treatment center that I went to, they did DBT for binge eating. And the like there's like five subsections of dbt but the first one is mindfulness and this was so hard for me to even comprehend because i just felt for so long just very very black and white thinking um and my mind i would say for the most part using very extreme words was common for me instead of saying removing verbiage like always and it's never going to dot 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 it's always going to be like this like those types of things like introducing neutrality in that was very foreign and so that's kind of i guess the just an introduction and we will put the sources that i'm going to read below so essentially this is one of them it's called use D using dbt to confront black and white thinking which now you can see where the gray comes in <laughs> um so from time to time we all experience black and white thinking or fall into the all or nothing frame of mind some people have a pattern of black and white thinking over time and it may reinforce a recurring automatic negative thought so i can't do anything right to the point where it becomes a permanent negative core belief of i am worthless that negative belief creates a filter in which we see our thoughts, experiences, impacting emotional health, relationships, ability to feel successful, valued, loved. Um, it kind of then goes into what is a dialectic, which you kind of have to understand that to be able to understand how to embrace the gray. So what is dialectics? Essentially, dialectics is the idea that opposing thoughts, emotions, or experiences can coexist. Two things can be very different or seemingly in conflict with one another, yet still both have a grain of truth. 
When we examine dialectics, we can look for truth in all sides and look for how these truths can merge. From a philosophical perspective, we have the thesis on one side, the antithesis on the other, and the synthesis in the middle. So here's an example. So your thesis could be, because I make a lot of mistakes, I am worthless. The antithesis is making mistakes is not a big deal. I shouldn't really care about them at all. And your synthesis is acknowledging and improving on mistakes is important, and it does not diminish my worth as a person. So this is that gray area that I, it was so foreign to me when I learned about it. Um, And I guess kind of like where I was, something that I could not accept was that I could be in recovery and still have binge eating episodes. So that was like, if I'm going back to years and years ago, that was the, that was my thing was like, it was either I was a binge eater or I wasn't. And anything in between, recovery wasn't worth it. The things I was doing, the tools I was learning, none of that meant anything if I was still binge eating. Ooh, that resonates so much. Because how many, I mean, if we've ever gone into any of the like binge eating support groups or anything like that, like I see it all the time. All right, day one, binge free. Day seven, binge free. Like they're counting it. And I'm just like, you're setting yourself up for failure because it's again, setting up that it's this all or nothing thinking. It's, it's kind of like why I still kind of struggle with things like whole 30. It's like, this is day seven of whole 30 or whatever else. Like you're, it's either I'm perfect. And the moment I mess up, I failed for some reason. It's the, um, what is it? There's a quote if you know if you're not first you're last like if you if it's not absolutely perfect like you are a complete failure and there's no point in even trying and that's where the problem is because then we get the like what the hell effect of or you know i might as well just eat it all now because i'm going to start over and be perfect tomorrow so for you when you realized that because i think that was even something that when you came to me And I asked like, what's the biggest thing you want? And you said, I never want to binge again. Mm -hmm. What was that journey like for you at the start? I mean, for a really long time, I couldn't even accept, like there was no acceptance that I could be taking steps towards like healing my relationship with food and still have like episodes of binge eating or overeating to the point where I felt miserable. Like I couldn't even, it wasn't even registering in my brain. I mean, obviously when I saw this and I'll, I'll point to it more, but one of the things that my, that my therapist would do is like, if I kept saying something, I'd go, but da, 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 da. She, she had a tattoo actually that had an, an, and sign. And so this, and that was my second therapist at the eating, the treatment center in Boise. But like, it it was such a recurring thing. And when I saw her tattoo, I was like, what is that for? And she's like, it's just about finding like the other side of the statement. It's not just being all one-minded. And so it's like, I could have that feeling and whatever is to follow. Like I can, I can still have binge eating episodes and still be pursuing a healthy relationship with food. And I would say it was years of like either my therapist or dietitian or like 
I mean, any like saying like, yeah, you can still have these things that are recurring, but that doesn't mean that it's the end for you. Like it doesn't, this, this isn't going to be how your relationship with food is for the rest of your life. And so I don't know that there was necessarily like a, a moment where it was just like automatic, but I do remember just like really liking the idea that there might be something other than feeling so on or off black or white all or like just that duality of like going feeling like I'm going back and forth or like I'm either super productive or I'm a I always say I'm a sloth like (laughs) I I just want to like go into like rotting mode where I just don't want to do anything and so it's like okay but can there be an in-between and so I I guess the answer to your question I had there wasn't like a specific moment or like time but it was just over the years I mean, the mixing black and white makes gray. So it wasn't like something that was said normally, but it was like, that was what I wanted to do was just embrace the gray. And when I felt like I was on one end of the spectrum, I would ask myself, well, what's on the other? Okay, then meet in the middle. And that's where the gray is. With that, I want to kind of tell you the other part of this is now we know what a dialectic is. We know that there's two sides. They can be true at the same time, even if it's a grain of truth, right? Like another one could be at the time I met you, like I knew that weight loss was something that I wanted and I wasn't willing to give up my relationship with food or go on a crash diet. I wasn't going to do those things. I can love my body and appreciate it and have, I guess, maybe more neutral feelings about it and still have the goal of weight loss. That's been a huge thing that we've been working on with all of my clients in Rediscover You Free. When I think about my spectrum and my pendulum, right? Like I went from really restrictive, compensatory, like struggling with bulimia, lots of focus on my body as my worth, and then finding intuitive eating, which now I've watched many people go through this, right? Like they're they're doing beach body, they're doing whole 30, they're doing all the dieting things. Then they read intuitive eating and they swing so far the other way where they're like F dieting. This is all disordered. All of this is like, um, this is the reason that everyone's messed up. And and I get it because there is grains of truth to that 100%. And so now it's in this place of finding the gray of how can, is it possible to be aware of macros? Notice I'm saying aware, not Mm -hmm. like, you know, obsessively tracking every little bit, not as, you know, Victoria and I had struggled. She was weighing grains of rice or weighing spinach leaves. And I was inputting like the 20 calories from my omega-3 supplements into my fitness pal. Like that's the obsessive side, but can you have awareness? And I think that that's kind of where I am and, and maybe you are right now that I am aware that I'm, and we call it in the program, eating intentionally. I And I really think it's important that we learn to eat intentionally, not just intuitively. And especially if you've been struggling with dieting or binge eating, you can't just go to intuitive eating. Like you have to rebuild trust with your body. You have to bring back those natural hunger and fullness cues, which may mean you have to intentionally eat even when you're not hungry. Like you have to eat at consistent times, even when you're not initially hungry. You have to make sure that you're eating balanced meals that are, you know, have protein and have fiber and have healthy fats because these things are going to help you feel 
satiating. They're going to be nourishing for your body. A lot of times I see this huge spectrum of like intuitive eating, food freedom. Mm -hmm. I can eat whatever the heck I want. And then they just like go for a free for all and completely disregard any respect for their body or how they want to feel. And so it's like finding that middle ground that 100% you can still want and pursue fat loss, which I know intuitive eating world says is a no-no, you know, but you absolutely can as long as you are also at the same time coming from a place of body neutrality, body respect and acceptance. And that means buying clothes in the body that you're in right now that make you feel good. That means still going out and doing things, not waiting until you lose the weight to feel good about yourself, right? It, it means to have both. Before we go into like the states of mind, and this will kind of help practice this because it is something that you kind of have to practice. And like, once, I mean, now you guys are aware of it, right? So now you can start asking yourself questions throughout the day or when you're in certain situations. And one of the other things that this is just kind of, it's called the daily dose of dialectics, which I love, like that's such a cute way to put it. This is from Broadview Psychology. And it says, I sit down to write the blog post as it's snowing outside in the middle of May, perhaps the perfect time to be writing about entering the paradox of a dialectic. It reminds me that the winter is not quite done with us yet, our last hurrah before it's gone for a few months, and that, that it is still spring anyways, even when it is snowing. It reminds me that seasons don't change at all at once, that there is a back and forth as we gradually move throughout the year. And this is a great way to like frame life, your journey with food, your journey with like finances, relationships, like literally anything. Um, and so it says like, for example, it's snowing and it's spring. Like that is a perfect dialectic. It's like those two things are very true at the same time. Um, and one of the other ones, some other examples of dialectical statements are, I feel happy and I feel sad. I want to be loud and you need me to be quiet. There are things that are very different from a year ago, yet every day feel, and every day feels the same. I feel too tired to work and I can do my work anyways. So being more dialectical can help you reduce the emotional intensity that comes from feeling unbalanced, that comes from feeling like in the all or nothing. It reminds us that there is more than one way to see a problem, that people are unique and have different points of views. So here's a few like action items as far as like how you can be more dialectical during your day. So changing your thinking um, from that all or nothing. And if you're going to say a statement, what's the opposite of that? So say if you're saying to yourself, I am a failure. You could also say, and I also succeed at times. And here is my evidence for that. Um, dialectics are a good way to validate yourself when you're pushing for change. So when you have to do something difficult that you don't want to do, for example, you can validate yourself by saying, this is hard and maybe even so hard that it feels impossible. And I'm still going to get out of bed and do it anyways. And the one of the last ones is entering into the paradox. So it says, sometimes when I teach dialectics, there is some some feeling of, but then what do you do? What do you do when there is that dialectical tension between two seemingly opposite things? That is when you enter the paradox of just allowing those two things to exist simultaneously. One side is not fully correct, nor do you have to choose between the two. You just need to notice the tug of war between the two and that they both can exist. 
Sometimes this acceptance can give you freedom to move on or to even find a different solution, or sometimes it's just an opportunity to sit in the uncomfortable moment and to learn to tolerate it. And I would say I'm more so now, like when I first started this, it was just being able to like, can maybe even consider that there is the gray, like that in itself was uncomfortable versus now it's like, I'm making that effort to find that middle ground, which is life-changing. This reminds me so much. Like I remember standing by the fireplace in your cabin the first night I met you and you were on the couch and you looked at me and you said, would you say that you're recovered? Mm -hmm. And it was an interesting question for me because even at that time, so that would have been December, 2021, like I, for the most part, I felt like I was definitely, I had a much healthier relationship with food, but to say that I didn't still have moments where I emotionally ate or overate or wasn't completely always mindful about what I was eating. I could never say that, but I realized by, and I think at the time, maybe I said I was recovering, Mm -hmm. but I really am at this point where I I would say I am recovered. Now, does that mean I don't still have things I need to be aware of that I don't still need to be conscious of some, you know, tendencies to want to over restrict because it feels like the one thing I can control to, you know, to periodically emotionally eat because it feels like the only thing I have to bring me comfort in that moment to not always be super mindful and to sometimes overeat when I'm out to eat with friends. Does that mean that I'm not recovered? No. Like even people who've never struggled with food will have some of those tendencies. And so I think it really does also come down to like, again, it's, it's those two truths. I can be recovered and still emotionally eat sometimes. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And I think that it it really just comes down to like finding those times when you're using very like maybe direct statements and just being like, okay, what's the opposite and adding that and, and, and it will, it will change things and it'll, I mean, words have power and impact and you will find that when people say, but I'm like, can you, I just go, okay. And, <laughs> and like, because they're, it's like, for instance, like saying that you're, a, if you feel like a, I, I'm a failure, it's like, okay, well, what are the times you've succeeded? And if you need to like go through that and verbalize that to yourself, like, okay, well, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this. Well, then you're not a failure. Like you could feel like you're failing and you've also had incredible success. And so it's, it is pretty, um, it is very impactful. And then the other thing that I just wanted to kind of, this is, I mean, it can kind of overlap, but in DBT, the the framework of mindfulness is with like a Venn diagram, and we'll include this in the show notes, but there's like your emotional mind and your rational mind or your reasonable mind. And then in between where they connect or where there is similarity is the wise mind. And so again, it's not saying that all emotions are correct and all of the reasonable, logical, analytical side is correct. It's saying that you can have both and that wise mind is going to be in the middle. So I'm going to give like examples so then you can kind of see the overlap. So the emotional mind is think hot emotions. It's mood and mood dependent and emotion focused. 
When you're in a motion mind, you are ruled by mood, feelings, urges to do or say things. Facts, reason, and logic are not important. So this is just think of like hot-headed emotion mind is used when feelings, thoughts, and behaviors, like it's very impulsive. Your reasonable mind is your cool mind, kind of like cool, calm, collected, very rational, task-oriented, very focused on just like, okay, next, 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 without having those emotions attached. When you're in reasonable mind, you're ruled by facts, reason, logic, pragmatics, values, and feelings are not important. So your the other side of it is that it's very intellectual, only basing decisions on facts, not even considering your emotions. And the middle of that is your wise mind. And so it's the wisdom within me and each and every other person in the world. It's seeing value of both the reason and the emotion and how they're interplaying. It's bringing the left and the right brain together. And it's ultimately the last part of this is the middle path. And so it's like, if you're feeling that extreme feelings, it's like, okay, we'll identify the opposite and then meet in the middle. And that was kind of how I would go about things. It would be like, oh my gosh, I want to binge. Okay, well, I'm feeling really frustrated or whatever. And then the opposite is like, my the logical, reasonable side is like, you haven't eaten lunch. Like maybe your middle ground is getting it, make a snack plate or make a lunch. Like that's the middle, that's the embracing the gray. And then the wise mind, just to add to it, it's like you feel most grounded in this time. You're incorporating intuition. You're examining automatic learned behaviors. You're able to feel good with looking at the big picture. You're able to slow down and resist the urge to be impulsive. And really, it's just the it's like the most reasonable yet like not ignoring your humanness, I guess, is that wise mind. Wise mind embracing the gray. That's basically what it's from. I, I love it. I mean, for me, this it's still something that I really appreciate. It's that idea that I can be healthy and I can want to take care of my body and I can still eat donuts. Like mm-hmm. that was why that was the cover of our podcast was a donut, you know? It's both. And I know that sometimes that can feel uncomfortable, especially when we're bombarded with messaging that you know, certain foods are, are poison, our toxins are, are killing you. And and there's all this, uh, food, you know, fear going around and, or just like that, if you have to look like this in order to be acceptable, in order to be worthy, in order to be considered healthy. I think the the big thing, whenever I think of, uh, DBT, the word that comes to mind is, and mm-hmm. it's, yep. it's, and it, it's, both. It's a little bit of both. A little bit of both is what my history teacher used to say. So I hope that's helpful for a lot of people. I know that a lot of who we work with in the Rediscover You Free program are ambitious women who do have high standards for themselves, who tend to be a little bit perfectionistic, right? Recovering perfectionists. um, And who, while they're able to have success in other areas of their life. For some reason, when it comes to food, they just get stuck in this all or nothing kind of thinking. Mm -hmm. And they're just, they're ready. They're ready to find the and they're ready to have both to be able to enjoy their favorite foods and still pursue their health and fitness goals in a sustainable way. So 
If that sounds like you, definitely be sure to book a free breakthrough call with me where we can help you cut through the confusion, get you unstuck, and really help you find the solution to helping you, you know, really deal and stop um, binge eating, emotional eating, and or overeating. We're here for you. Anything else you want to say before we wrap things up, Ms. Vic? No, um, other than I hope that it was helpful to kind of get some background as to where, you know, it's coming from. And it's, it's also like a dialectic in itself that I could appreciate the time that I learned DBT. And there were other things that I needed, like, it wasn't all just this one framework and mindset, I needed other things as well. And that doesn't make it any less of a worthy experience that I had. It just means that there's room for both. And that was the, I mean, going, I was in that like conflict of, okay, I'm learning all this stuff. I love it. I love the intuitive eating framework, but like, I'm, I am not happy with my body. Like I am not going to be at this weight forever. Like I can't, like I physically will not. There are bits and pieces that were super valuable and I still love, obviously that's why our podcast is named this, but I guess in that, in that sense, like it's both. And there was things outside of DBT that I also needed to learn. 100%. Like, but I think that that's so brilliant too, is just so many of us are constantly looking for the right diet, the right way to eat, the right foods, the right program, the right whatever. And it comes down to that, that Bruce Lee quote that I absolutely love is like, absorb what is useful, discard what is not, add what is uniquely your own. And recognize that it's going to be multiple things. You're going to have multiple mentors and coaches and communities and multiple frameworks and and multiple like principles and guidelines that you're going to learn. We're constantly learning. We're constantly growing and expanding. And that's beautiful. And so please don't get caught up in that this is this has to be it. This has to be the the one and only thing because it won't be. It'll be a stepping stone. And as long as whatever it is that you're investing in, whether that be your time, your money, your energy, your attention, as long as it's taking you one step towards your ideal future self, then it's worthwhile. You know what I mean? It doesn't have to be the be all end all magic pill because nothing will be. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. All right. We hope you enjoyed. Other than that, the resources will be in the show notes and we'll see you next week. Bye guys. Bye.